Hi, welcome folks, and welcome to the Footy Jumpers podcast. My name's Rob, and my co-host is Lockie. Hello everyone, my name is Lockie, as you've probably heard. So, last time we talked about the earliest days of the footy uniforms and the introduction of canvas lace-up jumpers. This gave us a bit more different designs, some of which are actually still used today. So, this week, we've made it all the way to the beginnings of the VFL, which is the original Super League. So, um, I think in this episode, we'd like to sort of get a grasp and uh, what were clubs wearing in the new VFL competition. So, uh, yeah, yeah, take well, us away, Rob. All right, no worries. Well, basically, they were wearing the same as they were wearing in the VFA. Uh, they, they didn't really change very much in the earliest days of the VFL. Um, there were... Well, eight clubs formed the the VFL. There was uh, six stronger clubs. They were Collingwood South, who'd played in the grand final of uh, the VFA 1896, uh, Essendon, Melbourne, Geelong. Uh, you also had uh, Carlton and St Kilda were invited. Oh, South Mel- uh, Fitzroy were one of the stronger clubs too. And then Carlton and St Kilda were sort of added on. Uh, they hadn't had great years in the 1890s, uh, but they were added in basically because the the clubs wanted to make sure they could use their grounds. Uh, so the Junction Oval and Princess Park was seen as ovals that um, that they wanted to have in their competition. And so in the earliest days, yeah, as I mentioned, they were basically wearing what they'd worn in the VFA uh, years leading up to that. So uh, everyone, I guess, except St Kilda and Essendon had just canvas lace-up jumpers. Uh, everyone was wearing blue knickerbockers except Collingwood who had black and then different coloured socks for everybody as was, um, I guess, one of the main points of differentiation. Uh, by this point, you're probably finding less and less players wearing caps. But, uh, yeah, so they're, they're basically the uniforms um that so we've got when too we first started. different from where we were at last week with the podcast, or last episode, I should say. Sorry, it's not it's not vastly different. No, not initially. I guess there's a evolutionary change, just slow incremental changes happen, you know, over the next um, few years. Mm-hmm. So, so is um, everyone on canvas jerseys was... That's sort of just the material of choice. No one was really anything different in that regards. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, Essendon and St Kilda were wearing woolen guernseys, um, but everybody else had the the canvas lace-ups. And that doesn't really change until, well, probably within the next 10 to 15 years, um, certainly leading up to World War I in 1914, and then by the time they come back from 1914, canvas has, well, all the canvas sort of became tents and so forth over in um, in France. So mm. canvas was no longer in abundance. Um, you know, there's no gold rush. They don't, they're not importing canvas for uh, making tents for people to live, live in. You know, you can live in a house those days. And so... Uh, with the um, what would you call the can the not the dying of the canvas industry, but certainly the change of use back into um, yeah using it. Certainly in World War One, they were using it. Uh, it no longer became optional 
for the footy jumpers. And realistically, we don't then see it until South Australians sort of came over in the 1960s and 70s with tight-fitting canvas lace-up jumpers, and that's the next time you see canvas footy jumpers. Right. Uh, so, so why, but yeah, why, by, why was wool sort of picking it back up again? Well, wool was just the choice of jumper, um, you know, choice of material for jumpers. Uh, acrylic hadn't been invented yet, mm-hmm. and so it's um, it's wool or it's cotton, and um, cotton was never going to be strong enough for a footy jumper and, and still wouldn't be today. Uh, yeah, so wool was just the choice. Plus, Australia is, by this point, the largest wool provider in the world. We've got more wool than we've got anything else. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, so it's pretty easy to... Um, <laughs> To take over, you know, with wool. Plus, you know, uh, well, wool's more comfortable. Uh, then, with the knitting industries that had sprung up, um, you could then make different designs. And so, uh, these teams that had been in certain, you know, colours based on the fact that you could paint them, paint a canvas lace up, or you could add a a leather um, reinforcing to a lace up. Well, when you had a wool jumper. Teams like um, teams like Fitzroy, for example, you know they added their the navy blue yoke for the first time when they added it to you know the the first wool Guernseys that they were wearing. Hmm. Um, Carlton, well, first they started with just a navy blue Guernsey, uh, so they sort of moved away from the white uh, reinforcing that they had. But then not long later, they added the uh, Carlton monogram. Well, first it was the Carlton Football and Cricket Club monogram, CFCC, but then it was the just the CFC monogram. There was the first version of that. Then they moved to the version that they still wear today. Yeah. Right. So yeah, you could just do things with wool that in years gone by you you weren't able to. So in regards to like the distinguishing of each other in the league. Like, could we make, are you talking like the different colours, different looks of jerseys? Like, what was going on to make, you know, a bit easier to tell tell who's on your squad? And who's yeah, well, but yeah, that's actually a good point. I mean, for one thing, the first thing clubs started doing in the 1900s was wearing different coloured shorts or knickerbockers still. Uh, so um, Essendon were one of the first. Carlton was another one. Um when University and Richmond both joined, they all had white uh, football knickerbockers, nicks. Mm. And so uh, Fitzroy was another one when they changed to the woolen Guernseys. They dropped the blue pants and the blue was part, now part of the Guernsey and they wore white um, nicks. So that was one of the things that, for instance, um, you know, Carlton, who playing in dark blue, playing against Melbourne, who were playing in dark blue. Mm-hmm. Um, when Melbourne had dark blue pants and Carlton had dark blue pants, it was obviously more difficult to determine one from the other. But then Carlton started wearing white pants. Um, so that obviously helps differentiate the teams on the field. Yeah. There was no clash jumpers at the time, I presume. <laughs> <laughs> no, clash jumpers were still a little ways away. <laughs> although, having said that, um, the first... Clash jumper would have been worn by Geelong in 1914. 
so what happened was St Kilda, uh, sorry, Collingwood are obviously black and white stripes and they were wearing black and white stripes. Geelong had, initially they had a, a thinner, um, yeah, a thinner stripe pattern to their lace-up jumpers. And then in 1912, they came out with wider stripes. It was a new lace-up jumper. And so um, what they did with that is when they played Collingwood on a couple of occasions, they actually wore a dark blue clash jumper effectively uh, when they played Collingwood, and that was whether they played them at home or away. Um, yeah, they uh, – so what was that? Uh, around 9, 1914 was the first time that anybody wore a clash jumper, and that was Geelong wore a clash jumper at home because in the view of the so, or view of the league, um, they were the ones that had caused the clash. Mm. So because they'd made their jumpers closer to Collingwood, they were the ones responsible for providing a clash jumper. Yeah, right. That's earlier than so. Yeah. Would think, hey? So 1914 is the first clash jumper, but then I think they did it again in 1921, and then the next time we see a jumper used as a clash, apart from night games where clubs would play against you know, West Australian or South Australian teams, the next time is going to be 1987 when the Bears and West Coast came in and both of them decided they wanted to look like Hawthorne. Yeah, right. So just going back then, I guess, um, to our line of the VFL. So the VFL was going mm. on. We have the teams. So what's sort of the progression we're at right now with the jumpers and how we're looking? Sorry, the progression of the VFL? Well, and uh, how well, the jumpers slowly... looked inside the, in the VFL. Oh, realistically, they don't look that much different from what they're going to look today. Um, right. uh, and, yeah, that's one of the traditions of footy, isn't it, to you play for yeah. the jumper and so on. But um, the Collingwood jumper of the 1910s, uh, I mean, not the lace-up jumper, but when they've moved to a... Um, a woolen Guernsey is basically the jumper that they wear today. Uh, Carlton jumper is basically the jumper they wear today. I guess the, yeah, the main difference is they were more likely to be long sleeves and, you know, long pants. Whereas today everybody wears a sleeveless jumper for the most part. Um, Essendon jumpers have not changed effectively since 1890. Yeah. Uh, right. So, I'd say so. The only thing I can think that looks different is probably the numbers. Hey, like when were oh, yeah, when were they doing call. numbers? Okay, so numbers first came in for the nineteen eleven finals, and they were they were tiny. They were like four or five inches by four or five inches, and mm -hmm. so um, the Essendon numbers were in red, and they were underneath the sash. So they're like a little tramp stamp on the bottom of your footy jumper. No one could read them, just pointless. <laughs> um, yeah, so... Whose who's, who's uh, big idea was that? Well, they'd been doing it um, back in 1903 and 04. There'd been exhibition games in Sydney. And so I think uh, Collingwood played Fitzroy, Essendon played Melbourne in Sydney, and they'd worn numbers on the back of their jumpers. They were a bit bigger than these ones, though. Um, and then they sold cards to people at the game 
and you know, then they'd know that well, number seven was this fella, and number eight was that fella, mm. etc. So, yeah, I'm not sure that there was ever a record kept of what those numbers actually were and who wore them. But um, I guess that's that's a, an area for somebody else. But um, yeah, so that was was sort of uh, seen as a positive, you know, that they'd had these numbers and that people could tell who was who on the ground. So they brought it in for 1911 finals. The numbers were realistically too small for anyone to read. And then 1912, they decided, right, everybody's going to start wearing a number on their back. Uh, the VFL bought out the footy record. And so, yeah, that became their thing. And, and you yeah, know, that would then list who each of the players were based on their number. And um, the numbers were obviously big enough that people could read them. So I guess the only jumper that really got affected by that was South Melbourne because they dropped the sash off the back of their jumper and put the red number on the back you know, so that you could read the number. Everybody else sort of adapted by uh, changing the – either putting a number panel or just putting the number straight over the top of whatever they had. So like Richmond had a yellow band and they wore um, – yeah, they just put white numbers over the top of it, and people just adapted. Yeah, people yeah just, right. Um, yeah, Geelong's was right down the bottom, sort of underneath their hoops, which I would have thought would have made it difficult to read, but <laughs> that's what they went with. Yeah, that's interesting. Would have been you'd imagine it would be hard to see those numbers running around on the ground. Yeah, well, I think some of them were bigger than others, but. Um, yeah, I guess it was, well, probably an improvement over not having numbers at all. Yeah, true. Which was where they'd been years. So then it's nine, that was 1912, you're saying. So then what's sort of happening over the next couple of years? Obviously, we're coming into the start of World War One here now, right? It's 1914. So what sort yeah. of, what does that do with footy and footy jumpers? And I imagine there's a lot of changes in the world, obviously. Well, yeah, definitely. Well, one of the things, one of the main things that you find, A, is that teams drop out. They just don't even play footy because they, they want to be seen as being part of the war effort. Um, it was seen as the patriotic thing to do, to not play footy. Um, the other thing is that three of the largest commercial dye companies in the world were all German companies. They are BASF, Bayer and Herxt. And so they're three chemical companies. They make commercial dyes. They sell them all over the world. They sell them to people that make footy socks, make footy jumpers. And once we get to 1914, we no longer deal with them and we're not going to buy anything from them uh, because they're the enemy. And so, um, so that well, A, that's one thing that happened and that affects a, club, a couple of clubs down the track. Um, the other thing is Germany's colours were red, white and black. And so St Kilda decided initially, uh, well, there was only for them two games left in the season when World War One broke out. So they wore big Australian flags right across their chest. They sewed them onto their jumpers. Wow. Um, not, it's not, wouldn't actually have been the Australian flag that we know today because Back then, only the federal government was allowed to fly the blue 
Australian flag. So right up until 1950, um, organisations, individuals, etc., they had what they call the red ensign. So that's basically the Australian flag with the Union Jack in one corner, but instead of it being blue with the, the stars and so forth, uh, it was red with those stars. Oh. Uh, so for the last two games of 1914, St Kilda had these big Australian flags across their chests. <laughs> that would pretty weird, eh? It would have been terrific, yeah. i I seen a photo that was taken. Um, yeah, it was in one of the magazines. I think it was the Geelong game at uh, Carayo. But it's it's difficult to make it out. But you can see that they've got this thing right across their chest. Yeah. Um, they just yeah, stitched it on there. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, that's awesome. I mean, players' wives or girlfriends or ladies in the auxiliary, I'm not quite sure. But, yeah, they had these these big flags stitched across their chest mm. for the last two games. Then they took the flags off and dyed the jumpers the next season. And so they it was like a, from what I could gather, fairly dark yellow gold colour. And um, that was seen to be um, representing Belgium's colours because they were, well, and still are, black, yellow and red. And... So that's what St Kilda wore, well, for quite a few years. But uh, so for the 1915 season, they played and, uh, yeah, they played in these black, white and, sorry, black, red and yellow stripe jumpers for 1915. And then 1916, that's when clubs started dropping out. You only had Carlton, Collingwood, Fitzroy and Richmond that actually played in 1916. Uh, so the other thing to bear in mind with this, you know, with this era is that now they they might change their socks each year just because you know socks get muddy and wrecked, you know, wearing them all season in in footy boots and so forth. Uh, but you you keep the same jumper, you keep the same knicks. Yeah, everybody's just the wearing the same all thing. over the place. Hey, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And so. So for 1917, uh, Geelong and South Melbourne came back, but Geelong couldn't get their footy socks made. So instead of wearing the blue and white hoop socks that Geelong were used to wearing, uh, for the 1917 season, they just had to have blue socks. And 1918, they just wore red socks. And that uh, was just because the, the German dye manufacturers? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just due to the availability of colours. Um, right. So, yeah, dark blue, couldn't get dark blue. And so they just wore you know, whatever regular blue is, royal blue, I guess, but um, yeah, just a lighter blue. And that's what they were wearing for, uh, for those seasons. And so mm. 1918 season, um, Essendon came back in. And so now you've got everybody that was there in 1914 except Melbourne and University. So they um, effectively merged for the 1919 season and merged. They took over, <laughs> you know, <laughs> they took over University. Yeah. Uh, one thing they did do is they brought out a new Guernsey 
and that was navy blue. And instead of just being the, um, well, just navy blue, which had been Melbourne's colours, they adopted the, 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 it was in red because that was Melbourne's colours, but the V that university had been wearing, Melbourne now started wearing. So, right, so that's where the, the v I, I don't from. know that that was specifically a nod to university or not, but it's certainly circumstantial evidence. You'd say, well, they've sort of taken over university and so they've added the V to their own jumpers and, um, yeah, moved on like that way. Um, right, so this is and, 1919, so the yeah, war's so over, so are we getting one. more production and being able to get more supplies, like these are on wool jumpers. Like how are they printing, like, for example, like that V and stuff? Uh, well, what you do is you you make the, the blue jumper and then you get, then you make a red V and then you stitch that red V on. Same way Essendon sashes, uh, South Melbourne had a sash, Richmond, Richmond had a sash, but it was sort of the other way. It wasn't the sash, the direction that it goes now, but they used to wear it on the other shoulder. Um, oh, St Kilda had a beauty. St Kilda came out with red jumpers with a gold V and a black yoke. And then they were one of the first clubs to have striping on their shoulders, uh, on their um, collars. Wow. So, I bet you that was a looker. We'll, um, we'll have a link for that on thefootyjumpers.com yes, as well, we will. so you yep. can have a great uh, visual we've got for some that. Of the old, yeah, some of the old footy cards from the 1920s have, um, have players in those jumpers. And they'll be on the uh, podcast page of the website for this episode. Um, another thing, 1919 is, well, I sort of touched on it earlier, but that's the last time we've ever seen uh, the lace-up jumpers because Geelong have now come out with their um, jumper, their woolen guernsey. And so by this point, everyone's in woolen guernseys and will stay that way. Um, right up until, I mean, you'd say the 1960s when they started wearing more sleeveless jumpers and then, you know, the 1970s when they changed material to acrylic, which is which is another episode for another day. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, so that's 1919. Uh, St Kilda's, as I mentioned, has got this red number. They then just changed that slightly in 1922. They added a gold band to it. Whether that was to uh, avoid looking like someone else, I'm not quite sure. But um, certainly the gold band would have uh, would have differentiated them because it was quite a look. Because now it's it's red, but it's got a gold band. It's also got a gold V, <laughs> and it's also got a black yoke. And then it was long sleeves and the arms were black as well. It was... Yeah, someone yeah, just let, let the kid it. have a go with all the crayons. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. So, um, yeah. And the other thing is, you know, you're starting to see different clubs wearing button-up collars, which had been a thing from the soldiers' uniforms. Uh, so, you know, Carlton's now got button-up um, collars and so the button-up collars, you know, would often have different colours to um, the rest of the jumper just to accent, um, what do they call them? They have accents, yeah, accent mm. colours. So that's yeah. still so sort then, of carried uh, on today. Is that why we still have the different colour in the collars? 
in some cases, yes. It's just a, a thing to, um, yeah, make a little bit of differentiation, uh, break up some of the colours. Uh, I guess, if anything, clubs are starting to take that off. Like North Melbourne, for example, you know, they had effectively a white jumper with blue stripes and then they would have had blue collars and cuffs to go with that. And now they're taking the blue off. You know, they make like white cuffs for example white um mm. uh yeah white collars um just to sort of say this is the white jumper yeah com- and contrasting it to the blue jumpers that they might have but um yeah so the the mm. next thing uh that sort of happens is south melbourne uh, they bring out like a red jumper with a smfc um monogram um, that looked pretty good, I thought, and uh, wouldn't be bad as a as a clash jumper today. Mm. But, uh, so that had like the club logo in the middle of the jumper. Yeah, monogram. Mm. So is that, is that the, when when did they start doing that? Obviously, I don't think we've really touched on the adding of things like monograms to jumpers before. Well, Carlton was the first one. Carlton started in nineteen oh nine. And that's when they put the cricket yeah. club, football club monogram. And, you know, they've still got a monogram on their jumpers now. Uh, South Melbourne's probably the only one in this era, although once we get once we get through the Depression into the 30s and 40s, uh, Fitzroy obviously put the FFC monogram on their jumpers. But they're really the only ones that had their club logos until we get to the printed logos and oh actually no that's not true St Kilda in the 30s they've put their logo embroidered their St Kilda Football Club mm. logo onto their jumpers um, but that's just it's not a monogram that's just an embroidered logo and then when when you start getting to the sublimated printing ones that's when Hawthorne and um, Essendon Geelong have been doing it for years. Um, you know, different clubs have got their club logo on their jumpers. Yeah, right. So, yeah, so it's those ones too. But, um, yeah, so as I say, you know, they're sort of changing incrementally. They're not really changing massively. South Melbourne did change to complete red jumpers and they wore that with white shorts and hooped socks. So it was sort of darker at the top and lighter at the bottom. It was fairly different. Um Carlton put a white stripe on their collars at one point in the early 20s and um, they wore that for a few years, a little bit like a school jumper look almost, um, just to put a different bead of colour around the outside. Bit of, bit of flair. That's it, yeah, bit of flair. And then, um, and so 1923... That's when you had St Kilda went back to red, white and black. I think they'd worked out that Germany was pretty much defeated by now because we're For five now. years out from the wars finished. Yeah. And so they've gone back to – but they didn't go back to red, white and black stripes. They went back to a version of what they wear today. It was basically a white jumper with a black – panel or a black stripe, thick black stripe, call it, 
down one side and a thick red stripe down the other side. And then the back was the the reverse. So where the black stripe was, where, well, where it sits today, on the back that would have been red and on the other side where it was red it would have been black. So it was a little bit, a little bit mixed up. But um, and then they had sort of striped sleeves that went with that. Uh, so yeah, so they had dropped that red, yellow, and black, and gone back to red, white, and black in nineteen twenty-three. Do you know if there was and any, also gone? Um, just with that, do you know if there's any reason that they didn't just stick with the those three colours, like with the yellow orange look? Because I feel like after they're doing it for so long, you know, there's every chance they just run with it and that just becomes the new the new look for the club like why did they go back to the red black and white especially having so many clubs that have red and black and white in them it does make sense i don't actually know i would suggest it's because the traditional st kilda colors were red white and black yeah Um, that's a heritage yeah pretty much i mean realistically they've been around since 1877 um They've worn red, white, and black all that time. And then they get to 1914 and they say, well, all right, we don't want to be associated with Germany. Um, They drop it. They go to this for, well, there's a couple of years where they didn't play at all. So those years don't count. Um, Then they've worn this red number with the black and yellow. I guess um, it was probably... For, for whatever reason, you know, they, as I say, they added that yellow band to it. You know, they must have decided at some point, you know, they wanted to change it. They didn't quite like it as it was. And so there's been a, a call to go back to just the traditional colours. Mm. And so, yeah, I, I don't have an answer to say this is specifically why they dropped the yellow and went back to white. But mm. I would say it's mostly because St Kilda see themselves as red, white and black and... That's yeah. that. The first, you know, the first sort of chance they got to go back to it was nineteen twenty three. They took it. Yeah, just looks good. Red and black always looks good. Red and black does. Yeah, I don't know about gold bands and these and so forth. <laughs> on top of it. So yeah, um, I mean, the other thing that happened in twenty three is that South dropped their red jumpers and went to back to white with a red sash. Uh, so. So we went from having two clubs with red jumpers to no clubs with having red jumpers. So, you know, I don't know whether St Kilda thought they clashed with South Melbourne, Um, although they probably would have been wearing black pants and South wearing white um, because we're still at an era where you just pick which which colour pants you want to go with your uniform, although that's about to change. Um, yeah, when did but that when did that start to change? The dark shorts. The next and... year. Yeah, nineteen twenty-four. Right. So yeah, so the next year, the by now the VFL's for, been formed, they're in charge of things and they're sort of making the rules for everybody. And so they came and said, All right, we're done with this, you know, pick whatever pants you like business. Uh you're gonna wear dark pants at home and you're gonna wear light pants away. And and, you know, people still think that's um, a requirement today. Um, Geelong and North Melbourne have light kits and and I see people all the time saying, well, you know, Geelong should be wearing dark navy blue shorts um, because 
they're the home team. Because they're the home team, they should be wearing dark shorts. And and it's all because of that one rule in 1924 where the VFL said, right, home team, you're going to wear dark shorts. Away team, you're going to wear white shorts. And then, you know, when you play at home, you get to wear dark shorts. And out of that, everybody chose black shorts except for Fitzroy and Richmond. So mm-hmm. <laughs> Richmond, who have a black jumper and a yellow sash, Decided on blue shorts for whatever reason. So that's a good look. Uh, So for the first couple of years, Richmond would have been wearing uh, blue shorts to go with their black jumpers and and black and yellow socks. And these are specifically shorts too? Oh, yeah. Well, um, some clubs are still wearing longer shorts. But, yeah, realistically, knickerbockers have sort of been phased out. Um, you know, they're seen as a little bit old-fashioned and so forth. And um, shorts were just creeping up and up and up. They're just getting shorter and shorter. And mm. so to the point where you could say now, you know, they definitely finished above their knees. Uh, so, you know, they were shorts, not nicks. Yeah, right. Yeah, interesting. So then, 24, so what's after that? 1925, I think. Was there some new teams there? 25. 1925. Actually, 1925 might be a good place to stop because this is the introduction of what we would call the traditional 12 VFL teams. Mm. So ever since university never came back, at the end of World War Two, uh, World War One, um, there's been nine teams in the competition, and so the VFL have been looking to add, you know, three more teams. Uh, so they got Footscray, Hawthorne, and North Melbourne. They were the three that joined, and obviously they're still all going around today. Um, Footscray, well, they did get new jumpers because they they used to have a rounded collar in the VFA. They had a, a button-up collar, so they were new gear. But Hawthorne and North actually changed their jumpers uh, when they joined the VFL. Uh, so Hawthorne used to have a rounded yoke. Um, little bit hard to describe without... Well, you know what? You can go on the website and you look up Hawthorne mm-hmm. pre-VFL. Well, it'll be and, on the podcast link too. And it'll be on the podcast link, Correct. And so that's what Hawthorne looked like um, prior to joining the VFL. When they did join the VFL, uh, they had a brown Guernsey with a gold V and then the HFC monogram, again, another club with a monogram um, that they added. And then North Melbourne, they had they tried to join the VFL by merging with Essendon in 1921 they got disbanded and uh, by the VFA. The VFA said, well, you tried to join the VFL, we don't want you back. Uh, they ended up merging with the Essendon VFA team. And so as part of that merger, they'd been wearing a navy blue jumper with a white NMFC monogram. That was what they wore in 1924 in the VFA. And so obviously they can't wear that because that, just looks like Carlton. So they went to a royal blue jumper with a white V 
which they've worn in heritage rounds and stuff like that. Uh, so, yeah, so that's what they changed themselves to in um, 1925 to join the VFL. Yeah, right. Yeah, well, yeah and everybody wore black shorts at home, white shorts away, except for Fitzroy and Richmond. Yeah, cool. So I think we're getting an interesting development with everything. It's sort of, we got the definition on who wears the shorts when we've got the club identities in their jerseys jumpers guernseys um yeah so i think it's a good point to stop here as we are sort of progressing and getting more closer to what we remember with footy jumpers yeah that's right i mean we're sort of getting to those sort of designs i mean some of the designs that you're seeing in the 1920s are the ones that the clubs went back to when they had heritage round i mean which is Years yeah. ago now, isn't it? But 2003, four, five, six, you had um, Heritage Round in the AFL, and that's the sort of designs that clubs were wearing for those rounds. Yeah, yeah. You sort of identify with them, and they sort of, it's still really in the clubs, a lot of them, too, what they're wearing in the 20s. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, I think we'll wrap yeah. it up there for this week. Great. Um, yeah. Well, thanks. Thanks for listening and tuning yeah, in. Yeah. Thanks, for everyone. We'll have again. We'll have. Obviously, this has been more heavy with regards to jumpers. So we'll have a lot of different links and all the sort of different looks up on the Footy Jumpers website, just to sort of give you some context as you're listening to it. Just bring it up, and then you can sort of flick along as you listen. And yeah. I think yeah. Yeah. Good. Well, the season by season. If you go to the VFL AFL uniforms by season, you can track what everybody was wearing, uh, what everyone was wearing in each game. Uh, so if you want to, you know, we talked about that St Kilda jumper with the uh, Australian flag on it. That's in the 1917-1918 rounds. And, um, yeah, and all the Guernseys right up until 1925. Obviously, they're all there for every game. And, uh, yeah, feel free to check them out. Anyway, so we'll go from the, uh, the 12 teams and the with the VFL next week. And yeah, thanks for listening guys. We'll catch you later. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Talk to you next week. Bye. Thanks. Bye.